0: Welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a simmering stew of intellectual debate, seasoned sport take with a healthy serving of cultural meat and comedic potatoes. I am the broth in that stew, Jared Stormer of the Block M Podcast Network. With me, as always, is the seasoning, Andy Bailey. Andy, you descendant of the great Roman emperor Pertinax, been on conquests of both sexual and military nature. How the hell are you, brother? It's good to be back from Rome, man. I was uh, was gone away last week traveling.
1: Uh, I had a great time over in Europe, but I am so excited to be back. I only happened to
0: miss the most exciting sports week for Michigan in like six months. It's fun. Honestly, probably best that you were off gallivanting because there were some highs, there were some lows, and those of us back here just glued into Twitter had to weather them. And uh, I got to say, I lost a little hair, aged about 15 years, drank more than I needed to. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is some light at the end of this tunnel, and we're going to get to both the good and the bad, and I am happy to have my hetero life mate with me to do it, sir. So let's get in on it. There's a lot to get going on. Let's start low. What do you think? And then we'll work our way up. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. We got a lot of meat to get into tonight. Yeah, let's start low. And this is the lowest of the low, I would have to say. This is the darkest timeline for Michigan basketball. This is like Ben Affleck's streak of Daredevil, Gigli, Paycheck, and Jersey Girl all in a row. This is like Lindsay Lohan's 2007, like rehab three times in a year. Kobe, Jet, Hunter, all gone. Hunter transferring, Kobe and Jet going pro. We thought maybe we'd keep one. We're losing all three. We got culture problems. We've got on the court problems. Let's Let's dive into this, man, as much as you're willing to. This is bad. (laughs) This is awful. Like, the Kobe
1: one, like, the more, like, it faster I felt like he was leaving. The Hunter one was a genuine shock, and the fact that it was announced via his podcast, not an official statement, just kind of, like, offhand, like, entering the transfer portal. It's like, you've been at Michigan for three years. You're coming off the best stretch of your career, and now you're leaving the program. And then, like, Will Cheddar has put out comments. Jace Howard has put out comments. And they all seem to be alluding to, like, an internal cultural, like, dysfunction.
0: <sighs> would you rather just talk about the Gwyneth Paltrow skiing incident in that trial? I really, this sucks. Like if this is in fact the case that we've got serious culture issues going on, John Howard in a prove it year, just got tossed a freaking anvil while he was drowning. This is horrible for his chances of salvaging his career, putting together a respectable product on the court next year. And the bigger concern is like, what's going on behind closed doors? Like, why is it that Hunter Dickinson, all the accolades that you just mentioned coming off of his best year, you and I had come around on him for whatever that's worst. What caused him to want to leave with his final two years of eligibility? What did he see behind closed doors that said to him, I'm assuming there's not going to be a winner next year. Like, I'm assuming this is basketball-related, but, I mean, we can we can just put out conjecture at this point.
1: Let me pose this question to you. With Jawan's reliant on the transfer portal, he's been active in it again, what he's done in the last couple years, with his early success, and now he's slowly trickling
0: down. Is Jawan Howard just the Mel Tucker of college basketball? Oh brother that is painful. (laughs) I I cannot go there yet we need to see another season of ineptitude in order to get there uh but man that comparison hits a little bit too close to home he certainly needs to put a winner out there and now that as you just mentioned the transfer portal that's going to become his bread and butter that's really the only way that there's a path to success next year I mean Yusuf Kai you and I are really high on but he's not coming in to save this program at the four like I, I think you're probably looking for a transfer four you're looking for some depth behind Terrace Reed like so you're not reliant on Papa Conte great name don't know if he's ready to play Big Ten Minutes. So, I mean, there's just, there's roster holes all over the place now. I mean, there was the the Alabama transfer that we got in. Uh, His name is Namari Burnett. We talked about him on the podcast with uh, Kellen. We did a reaction podcast last week and go check that out. I mean, that's going to help a little bit, but I mean, this was a guy putting up 5.6 points a game and spot duties, like shooting isn't necessarily that great or wasn't that great at Alabama. He's not coming in to save you.
1: It's weird because like there's a bunch of names next year. As of right now, like you have Terrace Reed, Terrence Williams, Joey Baker's applied for an extra year. Jalen Llewellyn announced his intention to return Doug McDaniel, uh, Will Cheddar, but like Isaiah Barnes is gone. I mean, Yusuf of another one. You mentioned he's coming back. Kobe jet Hunter are gone. It's like, Who's scoring all the points next year? Doug McDaniel? Is he starting? How are they going to balance he and Llewellyn? The Alabama transfers in Michigan's involved with a lot of uh, transfer portal players now, especially that play at the four. I don't know what this team is going to look like, but they're going to have to fundamentally change because you just lost the centerpiece of your offense and your two most explosive wing defenders and scorers.
0: Yeah, there's some uh there's some holes to fill there. Yeah, there if you could say that. And I <laughs> I just don't know like how are they going to get cohesion? Where are they going to get leadership? Where is that going to come from on this team? Like there are so many questions and I don't really know like how Jawan Howard is going to answer them all to put out a program. And you put that number out there of twenty wins. I'll just say a tournament appearance. They just need to make the tournament. Let's lower the bar a little bit. Can they do that with the roster that you see and maybe another two transfers? I mean, we we don't know. Those transfers could be really really impactful. But I just don't see it as of right now. We're recording this in early April. Like I am not optimistic.
1: Does this uh, roster turnover, though, like kind of give Jawan Howard an extended runway after next season because of the hand he's been dealt? Well, there it
0: is. I knew you'd find a way to be positive. I mean, we, uh, we, we <laughs> sweat to. to we sweat beads of optimism over here and, uh, yeah, I'm glad to see you perspiring a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to look at it. Like there could be some of that enough turnover that you're getting a fresh start. We had lamented that we were ready for the Hunter Dickinson era to be over. I tweeted that early on in the season, but then Hunter Dickinson really grew on me. I saw the leadership improve. The three point stroke became more reliable. The defense, most importantly, uh, never like a great passing big man but knew when to kick it out, knew when to go for it. Much like Terrace Reed could have, you know, taken a page out of that book a little bit more. It's always terrace time, baby. But <laughs> he had really come along, man. So yeah, it's a it's a really tough question. I mean, is that what you're seeing? Do you think like this actually is a good thing secretly? I don't know if it's a good thing, but I think it lessens
1: the Pressure for Jawan to win next year. I think it's going to extend him for two years because the team is in such flux right now. You don't understand, like, what kind of product is it? Where are the Where's the scoring going to come from? Where's the rebounding going to come from? Like, you've watched a lot of the NCAA tournament. Like, if you wanted Michigan to model their game after one team you've watched in the NCAA tournament, who would it be based on the personnel coming back?
0: Brian Dutcher at San Diego State University is running a pretty nice program there, (laughs) former Michigan assistant, just kind of batting eyes over at him Uh, what UConn. Has been doing, I think, is replicable because I mean, there's not super high level athletes out there, but they are really, really sound defensively. They communicate really well. They know who their alpha is and Jordan Hawkins. So, I mean, if you can emulate what UConn's doing, but that requires getting guys in for more than one and done. So maybe you kind of go away from these super highly recruited guys that are just going to be one and duns because I don't know what that's doing for you. Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, Kobe Buffkin, or not Kobe Buffkin, Jet Howard. What did they really add to those teams? You know what I'm saying? Like, you need a guy to at least stick around for two years. So you still want highly recruited guys. But finding that balance of being able to keep them within the program and actually develop, I think, is going to be something that will help them a lot. Because the guys we have returning for minutes next year, like, really don't want Terry two sticks making all the decisions out there well especially now when you see an
1: ncaa tournament so just honestly coin flip each game like you see what 16s beating ones you see a nine seed almost making it to the final you see all the one seeds losing not making uh past the elite eight or even into lead eight i believe like it's just so there's so many different ways to win now so i i'm with you i think they need to steer away from just getting these super high level guys that are coming in bring guys in that you can build the program around slowly develop it like there's just i don't know it's We knew Jawan Howard was going to be up against it next season, but I don't know how he comes out of this with even a winning record next year. He couldn't, he could barely win with Hunter Jett and Kobe Bufkin. You mean, do you tell me he's going to do it next year with Jalen Newell and Joey Baker and
0: Terrace Reed? (laughs) We need like perhaps the greatest Ewing theory debate of all time like that's the only way yeah like this is gonna have to be the like greatest addition by subtraction of good players that you've ever heard of because yeah those are three really good players probably all gonna play in the nba at some point and we lost them all and it's not like in the nba where you can like trade them and get some draft picks or something no they're just gone they're just gone (laughs) just for nothing gone where do you think hunter transfers to uh, Kellen and I were kind of talking about this. He likes the, uh, the idea of like some of the DMV, um, DNA still being in there and maybe going to Georgetown. That made a lot of sense. I'd go to UCLA if I wanted to win and ha- have nice weather. That makes sense. Um, I mean, Gonzaga, if you're, if you want to go there and take over for Drew, Timmy, I think he's like 36. He's got to be about <laughs> el- out of eligibility there. Uh, but I've been to, uh, oh, I forget the name of that place. And I think it's Spokane, terrible, Spokane. Town. nothing to do there. <laughs>
1: Uh, Maryland's definitely picked up some steam recently because I believe a coach with, uh, DeMatha ties where Hunter played, just joined the staff from Virginia tech. So that guy could have a personal relationship with Hunter, bring him into a a rising Maryland team. So that would be something to watch. But honestly, Hunter probably has a pick of where he wants to go. There's a lot of teams answering questions and everyone could use a seven foot one big that can score in
0: bunches. Yeah. Kellen brought the data last week in that pod and basically made the case. And I think uh, adequately that this is the best player to ever answer the ever enter the transfer portal. Like, I mean, just based on accomplishments and, and statistics and impact on the game. I think he's right. Jesus.
1: And he's leaving Michigan, you know, for his senior year after we just saw him go on a heater for the last eight weeks of the season.
0: Sweet. You want to move <laughs> to happier subjects? Please. Jaden Davis. Let's get there. This is a happier subject. The six foot, we'll say six one. We'll round up from Providence Day School in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is a five star coming off a huge season. We got our quarterback of the future, baby. This dude is the real deal. This recruiting class is absolutely ticking up. One of the hottest recruiting classes, uh, just recruiting teams in the country right now. And this guy's the centerpiece.
1: This was massive because this feels like the domino. Like Michigan had been adding good players like Jordan Marshall, a couple offensive linemen uh, making cutdowns like Blake Frazier. But this was the big one. I was walking down a street in Rome going to dinner, and I was looking at my phone like, did Jaden Davis commit? Did he commit? Because this can swing so much. It's the most important position on a football field, the most important position of the future. And this is the building block. Everybody else is going to see this, Like, I want to play with Jaden Davis. I want to play with a quarterback of this caliber, with a winning program and a great culture. I can't like – I can't say it enough how important this is for the future of Michigan because we needed that next guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The succession plan is now in place. Your offense is looking like you can see the vision of what this going to be. And it's going to be very similar to what we going on now. We have going on now in the offensive line recruiting. We basically have our pick of the litter as far as who we want to come and play on this offensive line. So that had to have been a huge selling point for Jaden Davis. You know you're getting quality offensive line play, the Joe Moore Award-winning head coach or uh offensive line coach still there running the offense so that's a huge selling point like this thing is loaded for the future man and with jordan marshall jaden davis like i can't wait to see what this offensive line group looks like i mean just reloading at this point man and this is uh this is some of the 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 success really starting to pay dividends because these kids grew up seeing michigan win now and you're seeing that finally pay pay off on the recruiting trail
1: Exactly. And the importance of Jaden Davis is like, you have Harbaugh, you have your Martin Scorsese, you got the director in place. Now you got your Robert De Niro. The rest of the cast is going to fill in appropriately after seeing those two names attached. So a huge win for Harbaugh. Michigan's like you said, one of the hottest recruiting teams in the country. I believe the class is around number three overall, depending on which of the 15 sites you look at and they change daily. So it's hard to keep up with, but
0: this class is monstrous right now insane man yeah and with jordan marshall i mean he's no support like just throw away he's not an extra that's at least a val kilmer level supporting actor too so i mean this thing is from the <laughs> ground up baby we're building it uh let's do a little pokemon evolution here i was able to watch a little bit of jaden davis tape mostly just his highlights though so that's not even really tape that's mostly just you know the best of the best but uh all right so you start with jaden davis i've got for a second iteration jaron hall at byu you know you familiar with his work he's a mormon <laughs> I'm familiar with Mormonism, but I'm not familiar with the forward pass of Jaron Hall. He has one. He's quite capable. Uh, he'll probably get picked up in this draft. Can move around a little bit bigger, Jaron Hall, but like good leadership, good arm, mobile outside of the pocket. But the third iteration, the final Pokemon evolution, I see a little Deshaun Watson with better bedside manner.
1: I was like, no, well, that's that's good.
0: Like Clemson Deshaun Watson, you know, before all the stuff.
1: Before all the stuff, uh, I think that's appropriate. From what I've seen of Jaden Davis, the way he looks, the way he plays, uh, very in command, kind of like Watson, can do both. Uh, capable, very very capable passer, but also can run and move the pocket as well. So, no, I love that. And I'm glad you added the addendum of better bedside manner. It's a nice way to put it.
0: That's critical. Yeah. So very excited about Jaden Davis, man. This thing is almost assuredly going to finish in the top five, this recruiting class. I mean, they have their pick. I mentioned of the top 70 offensive linemen. They're basically in on all of them. (laughs) Like they're in on all of them. If you go and look at their O-line big board. So including the number one offensive lineman in the class. So it's just getting better, man. And speaking of just getting better. Hockey was able to advance to the final four since we last spoke with a win <sighs> over Quinnipiac, baby. It you're was... No, win over Penn State. Win over Penn State. Wait, Win over Penn State, excuse me. Yeah, the Quinnipiac game was earlier in that. In uh, no, it's coming up. It's coming next. Just forgive me. Why don't you talk about hockey, sir? I know you're locked and loaded for this one. That one was a grind, though. The one-to-one going to overtime. I wasn't able to watch as much of that one. Just watch the highlights on that one.
1: I watched from an airport in Charlotte. I was going through customer service. Uh, the game was terrifying. Because the one thing you're very afraid of in single elimination hockey is a hot goaltender. And Liam Silieri was on fire for Penn State. Despite giving up two goals, still finished with a .951 save percentage. Yeah, that's good. And uh, Michigan just couldn't beat him for most of the game. And then finally broke free with the Adam Fantilli goal late in the third to tie the game. And then less than a minute into overtime, Mackie Samiskevich just iced it with a nasty wrister over his shoulder. Um, Eric Portillo was great in this game. He bested him, actually, with a save percentage of 968 and, like, didn't have too many, like, like difficult saves but had very timely clutch saves. This is the win Michigan needed. Like, it felt like a road game. It was an Allentown PA, Penn State's close by. Like, it was grinding out, not going their way. They were getting physical, like the big knock in playoff hockey is – High-flying offense just doesn't translate to the playoffs. So Michigan had to grind it out, be very patient, very diligent, and they found a way to get it done. And now we're have a little rematch with Quinnipiac from last year.
0: Yeah, really excited for that one. That's going to be on Thursday. Your boy's going to be in attendance for that one. Happened to be in Tampa. I don't know how I can sit that one out. So really excited for that. And Big Ten really separated themselves with the previous week, the ridiculous goal differential from the Big Ten. And then you get the matchup of Michigan-Penn State, and you see like, oh yeah, this can also be a defensive slugfest because these teams are just a notch above some of the other ones. Now, Quinnipiac, I think, is going to be a little bit more stingy, uh, despite the fact that they're not in the Big Ten. What do you see in that matchup? We've, we've matched up with them now several times. I mean, this is kind of becoming a common foe.
1: So Quinnipiac this season is number two in pair wise, the advanced analytical rankings, although they do play an easier schedule. All you need to know about Quinnipiac is their goalie. uh, Yannif Peretz, my best pronunciation. He leads the NCAA in save percentage with 941 on the year and 11 shutouts, and this team set the NCAA record this year with 16 shutouts. So even their backup came in and made contributions. But last year, Michigan played Quinnipiac in the regional final and smoked them seven to four. We chased Parrots after the second period, couldn't even play the thirty. Got pulled. So this one, it's a nice little rematch. Like Parrots has really upgraded this season, become a better all-around player. The team is experienced. But Michigan has in a different way, like they're bringing this influx of freshmen who are counting for over half their scoring. Luke Hughes has taken a step up on both ends. Adam Fantilli probably and should win the Hobie Baker. Like there's a lot of interesting storylines here, but it's just can, can Michigan beat Parrots and get on the board. If they can score early like Ohio State did, you're going to be in a good position. But as Quinnipiac showed against the Buckeyes, they're very resilient and can come back and wear on you and wear on you and slowly pull away in a game. So it's a fascinating matchup of an immovable force meets an unstoppable object.
0: Well put, sir. Well put. I uh, pose this question off air. I'll hit it with you on air here. Who would you rather have? Which duo would you rather have? Would you rather have veneers and power? Or would you have Fantilli and Hughes? I would take Fantilli and Hughes
1: because I think Fantilli has the highest ceiling of everybody. Like kid just turned 18 in September.
0: Insane, insane, and uh, <laughs> Baneers is probably going to win the Calder. Yeah, he's
1: probably he's going to win the Calder. Owen Power is probably going to finish in the top five for both Studley. I mean, Benier, I mean, Power was the first overall pick a couple years ago. Baneers was second, and Hughes was fourth in that class. And uh, Adam Fantilli is going to be second in this upcoming draft, right behind Connor Bedard. So the talent the last couple of years at Michigan has been insane, and that's in big credit to Brandon Norado, who is on a five-year deal. Interim tag gone. Ward Manual eat a bag of you know what. We have him. We got our guy locked
0: up. I love that you're still hating, and it was Ward Manuel who presented the news. He uh, rolled his Of course his he did.
1: He wants to take credit for it. Hey, look what I did. I did the right thing. Look at me go, hey, Mel Pearson, come up here. Announce it with me. God, I can't stand that guy.
0: Finished off a platter of jelly donuts and meandered his way into the locker room in time to give Nerado the uh, five-year deal that we've all been clamoring for. I'm just happy it's there, man. I'm happy that Nerado will be there. The, uh, the team seemed pumped to do it. Everybody at Michigan's pumped. So a little bit of good news there. Hockey is uh, hot right now. I hope we can keep it going, man. I really hope Peace. we can keep this going. God, it's – I mean, we're at the same place we were last year. No one expected Michigan to bounce back to
1: this level. Just repeat what it is like because it's so hard to get to the Frozen Four. And if they can get past it, man, Saturday night is going to be just a massive night. Could be a rematch with Minnesota. Could be for the sixth time this season. Or could be a rematch with BU, who we split 1-1 with early in the year. So, a lot riding on this, man. I'm so excited. I'm already nervous. The Penn State game about killed me. Single elimination hockey is just terrifying.
0: Horrifying stuff, man. Uh, All right. Any other quick hits you wanted to touch on before we get to the meat of this thing? No, man. I'm ready to talk ball. I am so ready for this. We need football like we need breath. Uh, We are really down bad in a lot of other areas. We just mentioned hockey. That's fantastic. But without football, our our basketball and baseball needs are not being met right now. So thank God for this. I'm excited to talk about it with you. You were able to watch the spring game a couple times. I rewatched it again last night. Uh, I would say my my initial 30,000 foot view of this, maybe not as consequential of a spring game. I mean, the fans, you know, I get it It was like 30 degrees and rainy and half the stadium was closed down and there's no quarterback competition. The running backs aren't playing. I get it. But it lacked some pomp and circumstance. But there was still some really good positional battles going on. There were some guys that shined that we want to really give their flowers to. Uh, and yeah, I mean, some things becoming a little bit more clear on the roster. Here's the thing. The spring game never really matters. It's one practice. That's all it is. Like Last year meant a
1: little bit more just because you and I were in attendance having a great time. Like You can see things in person. They can't really take away from the television, but it never really matters. But it's like we're so just desperate for football at this point. We're salivating. People are overreacting left and right on Twitter. I love it. One of my favorite times because it's all speculation and there's no follow-up until September.
0: No, absolutely not. And uh, there's a lot of banter happening on Twitter right now. I suppose that's just the nature of it being April. And we got a long down period ahead of us. Let's save some of that, people. Uh, Yeah, and we've actually got some content. So let's get into this, man. Uh, How do you want to go about this? I just kind of have like random thoughts written about the game. Do you want to go positionally? How do you want to do it?
1: Let's let's go positionally because I got a lot... Lot to talk with you tonight. I've been saving Jared and I have we always text, but I've not texted you anything about this because I want to get fresh reactions
0: tonight. Very good. All right, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. Let's start on the defensive line. My first takeaway: Josiah Stewart might be able to cover up for his lack of size, but looks like RJ Moten out there. You were totally right with that comparison. He is not big. He is not big, but I was really surprised with his speed and his bend. Like I was very, very
1: impressed with Josiah Stewart in this game. Like alleviated some concerns, but um, I think you know some of the tackles he was going against. You know Connor Jones isn't the Mm. the the precise barometer you want, but what I saw, he looked good. He looked very explosive. So kind of had that Yabi Yoki to his game. We'll see how he holds up in the run, but he was good. Uh, The defensive line as a whole looked really, really good. In this, I have 10 names written down of people that popped in this game from what I saw. And we'll go to the first overall pick. Let's just go move right inside.
0: Kenneth Grant is a large, large man. Kenneth Grant is going to be a force. He's going to be a problem to deal with there. Uh, I ended up getting him in my draft. So, I mean, that's a little check mark for me. We've always been high on him. We thought maybe this was the guy last year that Harbaugh said was a gift to the football gods just because they don't make humans in bodies like that, or at least they shouldn't. I mean, that is a horrifying prospect, and he shouldn't be able to move like that, but he does. I'm going to call this right now. Here's my first hot take of this one. Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant is going to be the absolute peak of defensive tackle play that we've covered at Michigan. I think that you'll see a little bit of it this year, but next year with those two dudes in their prime, I think is going to be an all-timer at defensive tackle.
1: Well, I think the peak this year is going to be set with Chris Jenkins and Kenneth Grant on the inside because he somehow looks faster even despite being heavier, he I mean he the strength is already there and in certain formations Michigan likes to run. We saw it more with mentor, those three big guys and then with the edge. So we're going to see a lot of lineups that appears of Kenneth Grant Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins as this yeah. triumvirate of
0: beef in the interior. I don't know how you deal with that because you'd be like oh you know Graham and Grant they can't really move no those dudes can absolutely move for their size and like I say like Kenneth Grant should not be able to move like that that is an absolute problem for defenses and I think that that's going to allow smaller guys like Josiah Stewart to really be able to flourish and, and it's also going to open things up for those pass rushers like Jalen Harrell who also had a really good day and I, you got to take this with a little bit of grain of salt we're really praising the defensive line and they were going up against hodgepodge offensive line so it's kind of always going to look really good so it's a bit of a grain of salt and also the defense is usually a little ahead of the offense at this point but nonetheless I'm bought into that defensive line
1: absolutely I mean Rayshon Benny was popping like so that's other just interior depth cam good played well you mentioned Harold Derek Moore killed somebody in the start of the second half just the physicality he was playing with with mixing the bull rush in um Keyshawn Bennett was all over the field Keyshawn Bennett, number 52, was all over the field. And I think it's going to add depth. And he had different pass rush moves in his arsenal. I was just like, I'm sorry, I was not familiar with your game, Mr. Bennett. Like, he was just in very impressive. Like, every time I would look up, he was making a play.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to take Keyshawn Bennett out for some apology tacos. Yeah, he uh, he was having a day. Rayshon Benny, I think, is going to be a player. Yeah, I think they answered some questions, but once again, a little bit of a grain of salt. I want to see it against Big Ten play. Like, how does Josiah Stewart get a pass rush on some of those Penn State tackles? That still remains to be seen, but for a day, it looked really good. Uh, I was really excited about it. Anybody else on the defensive line before we move back? Um, I want to say schematically, they
1: were doing a lot more stunts and twists than they did last year. They were just moving around a lot more and trying different things out. Maybe it's, you know, in the spring game, you want to try some stuff. And they were getting a lot of rush from different places. And with these interior guys, it really is a coin flip where the pass rush is coming from. Because I think Kenneth Grant, Mason Grant, and Jenkins are better pass rushers in the interior than Mozzie Smith was. We'll see how they do against the run, but pure pass rushing, you can see the talent. I, th- I think the biggest loser of the group, though, is Braden McGregor because he kind of feels the same.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, that was my, I cannot believe I did it again. I'm ready to be hurt again, going in on <laughs> Braden McGregor, Macari Page, RJ Moten, AJ Henning. I went in on all the old names and McGregor not popping in a spring game. It's not really the end of the world. Like you said, it's just one practice, but you would have liked to seen a little bit more there. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I'm impressed. I think the strength of the defense could end up being the defensive line. And that's saying something because our secondary is insane. Like it might end up being, better just because it's those two positions with that kind of depth and like you said there's going to be times when you got three of them on the field because of Chris Jenkins versatility so very high particularly on those three names and then some combination of Josiah Stewart Jalen Harrell and Derek Moore I Derek Moore is the one that's got me salivating a little bit dude that
1: move he, put, he just like gets you destroyed I might have been Percy I forget who it was just ran him over they just like dove onto the quarterback I was like what did
0: I just see what is that Dude, insanity. Um, actually, let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll work our way through the rest of this roster. Just spring game in the back half. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Breaking news, people. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpets by going to manscaped.com and using the code MMB20 for 20% off and free shipping. Look, I'm a man that knows the importance of a beard. The beard ties the face together like a good rug ties a room together. It's a unifying bridge between chin and scalp. I've yet to see a man's face made worse with a strong beard in my lifetime it's the only facial hair that will never go out of style it's time to tame your mane because no one likes a weird beard so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with manscape pro beard kit all starts with the beard hedger thing is a beast of fixing faces first off the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons plus it's waterproof so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink Titanium-coated T-Blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They've created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. There's the Beard Shampoo and Conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse, easier to damage than your hair on your head. That's why this kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replete those natural oils and promote beard health next the kit has Manscape's beard oil an essential piece for your main facial accessory no one wants a beard who's brittle and dry the oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine making you look extra fine cap off the kit with the beard balm pomade shape style moisturize tame your sculpted look Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code MNB20. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 length. Good people listening to out of the blue need to take a moment to shout out our sponsors for this podcast, home field apparel in case you aren't familiar. And you've been living in a cave somewhere in Southern Utah. They're a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. Not only is their stuff comfy, but it's officially licensed gear. So you don't need to mess around with some of the imposters that are out there and they don't mess around with their design selection. The Homefield team studies the history, traditions and legacy of every school, takes that information, they create thoughtful designs that tell a unique story of each university. Homefield has some brand new Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else. That's just the facts. From t-shirts to hoodies and crew necks, they have it all so you can proudly represent the maize and blue wherever you go. So if you want some brand new good looking Michigan swag, head over to homefieldapparel.com and use the pro- Michigan15 for 15% off your order. That's not just for one item, that's the entire order. So stock up while you have this offer. Again, that's 15% using the promo code Michigan15 at homefieldapparel.com. All right, we're back, baby, talking some ball, giving our spring game reactions. I love that you have an entire notebook filled out there. I mean, that thing is thick, too. There's not a, a inch of wasted space. My man is ready for this one. Uh, we left off with the defensive line. Let's move to the linebackers. We didn't see uh, Junior Colson, but we did see Nakai Hill Green back on the field. That was exciting. Uh, Ernest Hausman was out there looking nice in the 1-5. In the Jimmy Rolder got some snaps. What were your takeaways from the linebacker group? Uh, so let's, start, let's go ahead and start with Ernest Hausman because he was a player I was watching very closely. And I was impressed
1: with where he knew how to be. Like he uh, his understanding of the playbook, like he was moving safeties around, looking for help, understanding everything. And he had the cerebral aspect of it down. Still a little flawed in the execution on um, Khalil Mulling's longest run. He shot the gap, but just came in a little too hot and didn't have his hips squared and just missed the tackle. So some of that's going to come with reps and just – that's just experience. Like he's going to get some of that. But where he is with the playbook now was really reassuring that I think he's going to be starting next to Junior Colson.
0: Yeah. I, on first watch, he was victimized by the tight ends a little bit. Everybody was victimized by the tight ends. Michigan were running these concepts where there was basically two or three at times tight ends tripped up on the other side and they create these this mesh pick play thing where yep. th- there's nothing you can do. I mean, yep. Hibner got free on one of them. Um, and then I forget who got to open on the other one that Hausman uh, was victimized Barner. on. Barner Barner. got open on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just that's going to happen. Michigan tight ends are really good. We'll get to them. I was overall impressed with Houseman. I agree there. Jimmy Rolder, I was expecting a little bit more. Got a targeting on Jack Tuttle. That was kind of his big play of the day. Uh, But I'm not going to really read too much into it just to practice, but was hoping to see him step up. He's got a real opportunity because Nakai Hill Green, from what I saw, uh, didn't have the best day. No, um, Jadon Hood outplayed Jimmy Rolder. Jadon Hood looked
1: really good. Micah Pollard looked really good as a blitzer. Yeah. Like, he came in very physical. But Hood played exceptionally well. I just got very impressed with him. And the Hill Green looked like he hadn't played football in a year. And it's exactly That's what cool. he is. Like, the with the route to Hibner, he wasn't even picked. He just... Blew the assignment and just couldn't catch up. Like it was just bad. Like in coverage, the same like warts kind of revealed themselves, did better against the run, but he needs just time to reacclimate. Like don't write anybody off. Like he's still a leader on this team, but it was definitely a rough day for Nikai Hill Green.
0: Yeah. So do you think starters probably he uh, has to wait a little bit to get reacclimated? So we're probably going Colson, Houseman, Barrett.
1: Yeah, 100% going that yeah. order, and then he'll come in for some rotational, and then it's the Rolder, Jadon Hood, Michael Pollard guys. But again, man, the depth there, you can just see the potential.
0: Yeah, strong depth, maybe not as good as we were hoping, and a lot of that is on Rolder. I think you and I both had him pegged as like maybe takes the leap this year. We'll see. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about him when we talk about players uh, and what we think their role is going to be this year. But yeah, overall, linebackers, pretty good day. Now let's move to the secondary, where you didn't see the uh, full contingent of Michigan secondary players. That's to be expected. Uh, We know what we've gotten a couple guys out there. Amarion Walker was the number one thing we were watching this game. We had penciled that in. Uh I took him in the spring game draft as the presumed starter. Rough day for our boy uh against the veteran Peyton O'Leary. My my number one loser of the day, and I'm officially
1: putting him on Luigi Velain watch Omario Walker. It was whoa, bad, whoa. man. It was bad.
0: <laughs> like whoa, it was whoa, whoa.
1: like the the coverage, like he just consistently got like cooked by O'Leary. The final drive was bad. I don't know what his best moment was. Like he just looked lost out there and like all the hype, everything you heard, it just looked very, very green. And like, I mean, you expect that from a guy just like switching positions, but from all the talk, all the hype, maybe they're trying to speak it into existence and actualize, but he was maybe the fifth, sixth best corner in this game. He looked awful. I'm
0: gonna give you a little gentle pushback, just a little nudge back in that direction, particularly on the Luigi valain front. Protect you your hell- boy you got to have like two, three years of disappointment to be in Luigi Valene territory. Like he already has exceeded what we thought from him this season by being pushed up the depth chart. Like we were not expecting much from a Marion Walker. All this is based on a couple reports coming out of camp that we were expecting him to be the number one or the number two guy out there. So let's maybe just pump the brakes on him being, I, I was kind of thinking like a Vincent gray type this year. We might need to pump the brakes, but the athleticism is there. Like he was there with the guys. Peyton O'Leary is a, a, a tough, tough cover for him. I think he'd probably rather go up against Darius Clemens than a uh, a seasoned Wiley vet that knows how to do some of the intangibles is more what I'm saying. Like Peyton O'Leary's been in the program. Um, that one, the touchdown was like, he was there. Omarion Walker was in coverage. Peyton O'Leary just used his body to shield that. So, I'm not gonna just completely abandon ship on the guy after one bad practice, but it was a bad day. He looked just—he looked miles behind Jaden McBurrows. McBurrows yeah. looked much, far
1: more advanced. I mean, Micah Pollard looked way better than he did. He Came down with a pick. Jair Hill played way yeah. better than Amarium Walker did. So it's like this is an uphill battle, and I just don't see how he's gonna do it. If Peyton O'Leary is cooking you. Who's going to fight for our wide receiver three spot? Like, God forbid if you get mashed up with a Mecca Abuka. Like all these players, like you're going to face in the Big Ten season. So I think the hype was not just not warranted at all. Like you said, maybe it's one bad practice, but he was by far the biggest loser on the day.
0: Well, you're just pushing your agenda of Jaden McBurrows over there because you got him in the spring draft. All right. That's all this is right here. He <laughs> was, uh, dude, another another
1: rough day. Like we talked about, um, we talked about Jair, Jair Hill, the way he played as a freshman, played very downhill, very physical, as did McBurrows. Zeke Berry popped. Zeke yeah. Barry looked good, but his uh, counterpart, Keon Sab, popped in the wrong direction.
0: Yes, he did. So, I mean, I'm glad that we finally have some separation there and we chose correctly when we were like, we need to flip a coin here, but I think let's go Zeke Barry pretty much came down to the name. We just like the name Zeke Barry more, but it it did end up looking like he was the guy that's a little bit more ready. And do you think he's actually competing with page and Moten for snaps or is he just maybe more rotational depth guy, like not actually trying to, to crack the starting rotation, you think?
1: This is a win for you. I think Moten is plummeting down the depth chart right now. He also had a rough day in this one. His best moment, or biggest moment, was getting truck-sticked by Alex Orgy. Just got planted on his ass. Like, this was a rough day for Moten. Good day for Macari Page out there. I really think Zeke Barry could be getting getting some run in the secondary.
0: Like, he was a big standout, as was Cody Jones. Cody Jones, I wanted to mention. Yeah, we, we heard some late talk about him really starting to emerge. I think he gets snaps now. Like I get I'm assuming as nickel backing up Mikey is probably his best position. But where did they use him on that day? They moved him around. He played some nickel.
1: He got cooked on that one touchdown. I think it was the Jake Thaw. I think he was in coverage on that. But Jake Thaw ran a nasty nasty route I mean he froze him uh but yeah he could be in there Zeke Berry also in that kind of position so I think you could see those guys competing for snaps but man Moten just from where he was entering last year to where he is now I, I don't know what the dissension's about but he's just falling off a cliff all over the place Look rough
0: yeah, and it's not that Makari Page is just, like, really, really ascending. Page looked good, and Page has continued to look solid, but, yeah, you're right, Moten is just kind of trending in the wrong direction. I don't know what's happening there. Unfortunate, but, yeah, it is nice to have Zeke Berry as a guy that if we have to have come in and play some minutes, you wouldn't feel panicked about Zeke Berry coming in. So, all in all, pretty good day from the secondary. Peyton O'Leary kind of victimized them a little bit, but that's going to happen when you've been in the program for 11 years. It's uh, anybody else? Year. It's his third season. You act like he's been there a decade. He's 106. (laughs) Been there as long as JJ. (laughs) Uh, Anybody else on the defense you wanted to touch on? Uh, No, but I would
1: like to bring up the fact that uh, returners, because AJ Henning was not participating, uh, returners in this game uh, for kick return was Keyshawn Harris, who also played pretty well in the secondary. Just where's the ungodly, like, aesthetically unpleasing number of 36. Like no one must have watched 36 in the secondaries. It's not good. So Keyshawn Harris was returning kicks and Quentin Johnson was back there at one point. Uh, ben, Benjamin Hall, who we're going to get to, was also kick returning. And Jake Thaw was doing some of the punt returning duties.
0: I have to imagine we'll get somebody else in there. I, I don't know if any well, it's of those guys—it's going to be Henning at
1: punt return for sure. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Henning at punt return and that kick return. We just have more dynamic athletes that they probably didn't want to put out there for that quite yet. Cole Cabana. I mean, they were... Yeah, that could be could be All 145 pounds of him. I like it. Yeah, didn't see much of him as a running back. Uh, but yeah, let's switch over to the offense and we'll go into the running backs. No Corum or Edwards on uh, Saturday, which makes sense. No reason to put them out there in a glorified practice. But we did get to see a little bit of that competition for the third back, which we do anticipate playing a big role. A uh, bit of a win for you with the Kalel Mullings agenda, though.
1: Yeah, man, Mullings looked great. Like, this was the the thing where he's going to participate only fully with running backs right now. And they looked very comfortable with him. He ran very decisively, very hard. Uh, again, if I had to just project right now, he's firmly running back number three just because of the trust you have with him and what he's done and the experience and that power aspect he brings that this team doesn't have.
0: I'm assuming Stokes must be a little shaken up. We didn't see Stokes in this one, and we do anticipate him playing some role. He's who I went with uh, over Mullings. Actually, I think you might have drafted Mullings before I drafted Stokes, if I'm not mistaken. I got, yeah, no, I got Mullings number. last
1: night. It was Mullings or Cabana for me right at the end. You got Stokes ahead that's of That's right.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening with Stokes, but you might be right. It might be Cole Mullings in the driver's seat for running back number three. Uh, yeah, looked really confident as a ball carrier. Uh, Benjamin Hall. The other guy, though, that's going to be throwing his hat into the ring. And from what I hear, just an absolute dog as far as competitive spirit. Uh, He's always in the locker room like he's always grinding tape. He's just in the facility all the time and uh, looked really good for a freshman. I mean, really sturdy looking running back. I was pretty encouraged by him.
1: Very encouraged. He slimmed down a little bit, came to Michigan super sick, uh, super thick. Uh, he was the less uh, touted of the two backs that came in during the college football playoff practices with Cabana. And he's just really adapted well. The balance and vision he showed, you don't really see that with freshmen. He looks very comfortable, very explosive at times. He'll, he'll compete with Mully because he's also a big back. But you just worry about freshmen, especially with fumbles. And we saw it last year. We saw it the year before with Donovan Edwards. Like, they tend to put the ball on the ground a lot. Uh, but I just want to tell people, don't panic. On Cabana, like we didn't see him. Like there could be a reason for that. Could be banged up. Don't need to risk anything in a practice. Like do not sell your Cole Cabana stock off one practice, please. I urge you. <laughs>
0: No, and I don't think we ever thought, I mean, from the moment he committed that he was going to contribute this year, that just didn't no. seem likely to me, but this guy next year is going to be expected to maybe be your running back. Number one. I mean, we got some dogs coming in, but I mean, Cole Cabana with a year in the program, him and Benjamin Hall will probably be expected to, to do a lot next year and maybe Cole Mulling, CJ Stokes. Let's see what shakes out with that, but he's for sure a part of the future. So not seeing him much on Saturday. No, I'm not going to take too much away from that. I, I totally agree with you. Um yeah, Leon Franklin, I, I don't know that we're going to see too much from him, but he, <laughs> like, he also played.
1: He played, Tavi Dunlap played, Isaiah Gash didn't play, but we've seen him in huge moments. We'll see it again. I honestly think, though we're going to establish the running back order behind Corman Edwards of course during the first four games because that's like your yeah. red shirt window that's the non-conference like you're going to see this team like take some time get some snaps between these players and they're going to hash it out like they're going to do harball loves to hash it out on the field as we saw last year with McCarthy and McNamara so i think all these guys are going to get an opportunity just like Stokes did last year and you're going to see who emerges from the competition
0: I mean, we're going to get up 35 in a lot of our early games, so there's going to be opportunity. Like, There's definitely going to be opportunity to get some of these guys some meaningful carries early on in the season. Uh, Let's move to the offensive line, where I can go ahead and officially say Michigan has the best depth I've ever seen at the offensive line. Was very impressed. Like we said, offensive line's never going to look great in these spring games, because you're splitting up your starters. You're also splitting up your second units, so the, the groups that play together. Now, a lot of the second unit guys will rep with first unit and stuff like that, but this is just really kind of splitting things up in a way that's not really natural so it you know at times you see guys get beaten you see maybe some miscommunication but when you really kind of look at the forest for the trees there's some absolute dogs out there and the depth like guys that we knew were going to be really good depth solidified that like Giovanni El Hadi but then some other guys like Raheem Anderson really Reese, Atterbury. Reese Atterbury Amir Herring I think is going to be a player for us
1: Yes, Jared. Yes, this is why this, oh, this is why I love you. Amir Herring was one of my, like my one of my biggest standouts on the offensive line on my watch. As a true freshman, just looked incredible. Looked imposing. The interior of this offensive line looked very good in this game. He was one of the stars. El Hadi was my other one, but I'm gonna say this: Trente Jones is not a starter on this team. He got a, he got abused in this game by multiple pass rushers over and over again. He could not set the edge for anything, and while he struggled, Barnhart and others just thrived. Barnhart looked really good in this game. Uh, Trevor Keegan looked good, and you didn't even have Nugent or Miles Hinton in this one as well. Or Ladarius Henderson hasn't even come over from Arizona State yet. Jones looked awful though, man. Like it just kept standing out to me how glaring he was just getting smoked
0: and pushed back. Like it was
1: very very bad.
0: I mean, that will work itself out in practice because there's way too much talent for that to not work itself out. So, I mean, with, Henderson, who could definitely play tackle, Hinton can play tackle, Barnhart can play tackle. There's options there, so I mean, you could easily get pushed back in the depth chart, and we would be just fine. I think Trente Jones is better than he showed on Saturday, but this is really hurting my Trente Jones agenda. Some of my guys <laughs> took some took some licks. It's, both of our teams took some
1: licks in this one, but also had some wins. Uh, one thing I did notice from the offensive line: um, some new concepts, blocking wise, uh, very. Very, like, uh, pull heavy with both tackle and guard on different things. Ran some cool zone reads with different blocking schemes. Uh, tend to leave the backside edge open, which the edge knew it was coming so they could kind of blow up the play. But some new concepts coming in. I love that Sharon Moore's continuing to evolve this room. And I can't wait to see the best five put out in the field because this offensive line has eight, nine guys that could start anywhere in the Big Ten. Crippen looks good in this game. That, and that's just
0: not me pushing our Crippen agenda. Crippen always looks good, baby. That's my boy out there. (laughs) But uh, I do think Nugent and Raheem Anderson also look good. So, I mean, there's a real competition at center there. Um, Who was it that got absolutely mauled by Kenneth Grant? Looked like a bear going after a picnic basket on that one.
1: It might have been our boy Crippen on that one. I think it was. But on the first drive, he really pinned Grant a few times and did a good job on the inside. So while like uh Crippen had the small wins, the not-so-flashy wins. He was on the receiving end of the pummeling. So it's kind of a rough look.
0: Yeah, maybe the highlight or low light, depending on which side of things you take of the day. But certainly impressive by Grant. And uh, that one's going to get some oohs and ahs in the in the film room when they rewatch that one. That was certainly impressive by Grant. But overall, man, just yeah, and like you mentioned, Henderson and Hinton. Henderson, who could be the best of the bunch, not even on campus yet. And Nugent, the number one ranked center like in football. So it's like we had those two to still incorporate in there. Like
1: this offensive line is going to be a big, massive issue for all opponents. Like it's going to be – I just can't wait
0: to see what five we bring out there. You can't go wrong. Any five you come up with. Like there's several combinations you could throw out there. And I'd be like, yep, that'll work. I'm going yeah, to do it. Fine with this one. El Hadi's going to kick
1: out. Okay, that guy is – I mean, the interior offensive line Huge. next year, even losing Keegan and Zinter, like I feel so good with what the team's bringing back
0: absolutely huge like the weight uh, i, I want to see the combined weight of the starting five when they put it out there like it's going to weigh as much as a chevy suburban like it's ridiculous
1: yeah like a mere hearing hitting this early as a true freshman on the interior line he was just i mean pu- pu- like pulverizing people I'm like who is i'd look up his number because it was the first time seeing him then i looked i was like oh okay so this shows me what sharon moore is doing is just going to keep bringing in the recruits just god
0: i'm so excited Well, Herring was a guy we were in on in the recruiting class, but that's that was an easy one because he was really high recruited on the interior offensive line, like one of the highest interior offensive line prospects. And yeah, it showed why I think he's going to be an absolute stud Uh, wide receivers still don't have a lot of clarity here. We don't have a lot of clarity. We've seen Peyton O'Leary look really good in spring games before, and we've heard about the jump ball. God, he was probably the MVP of the day, uh, had a huge day against the Marion Walker could actually compete for wide receiver number three though that's a real battle on this team and if no one emerges i mean you're you're going to want the sure thing out there i mean you're definitely going to want to get clemens and tyler morris out there because they're the future but i mean you're not going to just do that just to develop them you're going to put the players that can make plays out there and right now O'Leary looks like one of those guys painter leary is head and shoulders above right now the leader in that race i think this just game just flashed
1: a lot of veteran savvy I think one of the biggest things was it didn't matter who the quarterback was with him. He had just chemistry with him. He had it with J.J. early in the game, had it with Davis Warren late to close the game. So no matter what, he's still just playing good, consistent ball. And that's something we couldn't get out of the wide receiver three position last year. I mean, maybe A.J. Henning comes in a little bit. Maybe Tyler Morris comes to compete. But with what O'Leary showed with his size, control, and his route running, I was very impressed.
0: He also has the same name of the bartender at Banshees of Inishirin. so he could also live in a uh, Irish settlement in 1902 and would fit in swimmingly. So his nickname is The Banshee. Perfect. The Banshee. I'm here for it. There it is. That's how a good organic nickname happens right there, folks. It's I'm it's
1: here the for it. Uh, Darius Clemens, though, in this game, looked uh, a little shaky. Again, still kind of waiting for him to get his footing about him. Not Again, not going to write him off yet. Got the red shirt last year.
0: Uh, did Tyler Morris play in this game? I didn't see him. I didn't see him. I was looking for him in the second watch through and didn't didn't see him. I didn't get uh, the entire cut of the spring game, though. I only got the like, play-by-play, like where it cuts at each play. So yeah. not the great, greatest rewatch. I wasn't able to watch it live.
1: A um, couple other names we saw out there. Uh, Jake Thaw put Cody Jones in a torture chamber on the out route to score early in the game. There's a very savvy route. Looked uh, very Drew Dillio-esque out there. I'm just saying that because he's short and white and runs good routes. Uh, Freddie Moore. Freddie Moore, their true freshman, can run routes, but he can't block worth a lick, as you expect most freshmen to do. But he had a pretty good day out there. I was impressed.
0: Are you a little concerned about the receiver room in back-to-back years? We were a little concerned coming in last year. Like, do we have a guy like Ronnie Bell we trust? Is he a star? I really don't know if we have a star this year. Again, does that matter with the next position group we're about to get to? I don't know. But I am a little bit down on the wide receiver room. I mean, imagine if we would have kept Xavier Worthy, what this thing would look like.
1: I'm not down yet because we only got to see a little bit of CJ in this game. Didn't get to see Roman Wilson. So it's like until I see those guys, I'm not going to write it off yet. I think we can see big years from both of them, especially the way Roman closed the show against TCU. And also, let's go ahead and bring it into our next position group. And this is why I really feel good about this
0: right the pass catchers in general when you expand beyond the wide receivers look loaded and that's strictly because the tight end room is as deep as I can remember at Michigan tight end and offensive line groups are absolutely stacked Colston Loveland is a star star Uh, I mean just flat out I mean they they sat him after a first quarter pretty much because it was like all right we know what we got with this guy Uh, that dude is absolutely locked in ready for a monster year but then the depth Barner and Hibner, I think, are going to be absolute players for us. Bredesen's going to be a player. Like, these guys are going to get catches. Yeah, like a a rough
1: depth chart after this game. I had it. Loveland, Hibner, Barner, 2A, 2B, just because Barner's still a little lost, blocking in space, but that'll come along. And then Bredesen, whom I love as the fourth tight end again, which is just, again, it speaks to the depth. And, man, I loved everything we saw with with, with Colston Loveland in this. They had him split out wide covering up the ball. They had him single-blocking edge rushers on the line of scrimmage. He was doing everything. If he can live up to what he flashed in
0: this first quarter, I mean, people are going to be saying, Jake, but who? that's. I mean, we were kind of alluding to that coming in. We're like, this is the next coming. Like, this is the guy that could really make you look at Jake Butt and just be like, wow, we were uh, we were going nuts over those numbers. Like the numbers could be insane. And then also the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Like, how can you use this guy in the running game? Like putting him in motion and doing some unique things with him as a lead blocker absolutely fascinating. Like like you mentioned, you can line them up as an extra offensive lineman at times against most of your opponents. It's going to really open things up. I am cannot wait to see how they use him. He's in for a monster year. Got to keep that guy healthy. One of the most important players on this team.
1: Absolutely. One of the most. And A.J. Barner, man, I was I was very impressed with um, his physicality in this game. I talked to you during the spring draft. I was worried about how he's going to adapt. Like, you've seen the flashy pass catching. But on his interview with John Jansen, he talked about until college he played like linebacker. Like he loved the physicality of the game and he blocked really well in the line of scrimmage in this one, but it's like on some of the plays and more intricate schemes, he struggled. I really expect him to round into shape, but with what Hibner displayed as well, you feel a lot better about that overall depth than you did coming into this game.
0: Yeah, Hibner rocking the 88, uh, got the turf monster caught up with Jake Butt and Devin Gardner on the call. The pairing that we have dreamt of for a couple of years now. How has it taken
1: this long for us to mention that? That was so much fun. Shout out the Big Ten Network, man, for just having fun with this.
0: Yes. And they really complement each other's energy. Just like I thought Jake is very stoic. And I mean, he, he's, he's a fun guy. He'll he'll laugh it up. He'll chuck it up with you. But Devin Gardner is just a bolt of electricity, man. So I was having fun. And he really let loose because it's a spring game. Like he's a little bit more reserved when he does FS1 games. But man, he, he let loose in that. And that was a ton of fun. Cannot wait. I hope we get that pairing more often. God, I would be it
1: was so nice just giving like like uh, the color guy color guy instead of having the play by play and color. It was so awesome to have just like dual analysts together. It was especially for Michigan games man. this one with like very little consequence was such a delight and just a treat to have them. Gardner's hilarious. DG is so funny in the booth just being like I remember in 2013 throwing the ball here to little Jake Butt it was just awesome to hear him just talk. felt like you're hanging out
0: at a bar. Yeah, I would sit and just listen to their bar conversation for 8 to 11 hours. No problem.
1: None at all. And especially hearing them talk about their specific positions, tight end and quarterback gives you a lot of cool insight.
0: Uh, DG, if you're listening, you are a current dream podcast guest. We would love to have you on. Just throwing that out there shamelessly. Yeah, Please, you and Jake Butt can come on. Jake Butt, friend of the pod, you know, get you both on here, mix it up. We won't even say anything. We'll just make like sound effects every time they tell a cool anecdote. Uh, do you want to talk about quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there is a battle for backup quarterback who I expect to see a decent amount of reps. And I think there's two guys that I would feel all right with if they, you know, if JJ had to sit out a game or a couple series coming in and leading this team. Jack Tuttle and Davis Warren, I was pretty impressed with. There was some mistakes. There was some communication out there. A couple more interceptions than you'd like to see on the day as a whole. JJ had one as well. A really bad interception. Uh, His arm got right really- did it? Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> Not good, but I mean, Not, I'm glad yeah. it wasn't. glad he didn't just sail it seven yards over his intended target. <laughs> but yeah, the, the other guys competing, Alex Orgy is an absolute unit. Like that guy, we need to find a way to do something with him.
1: Honestly, like I would love the Eagle strategy of like the rugby huddle. And then you put uh, Orgy back there with like Khalil Mullings, just have him push Orgy into the end zone. Like he is massive and that truck stick he laid on rj Moten, i kind of felt bad for rj moton because you know he's a big fella at 230 pounds or 225 and he just got flatlined by a quarterback like it was it was, it was tough
0: by a sophomore and moton's a senior
1: yeah the guy the kid has a family <laughs>
0: Yeah, not great. But, yeah, uh, of the other two, who would you think uh, took the reins as far as the backup? Were you a Tuttle man or are you a Warren man? <laughs> I am a McCarthy man, first and foremost. We embrace
1: McCarthyism <laughs> on this podcast, and I think he's got uh, QB1 locked up, hot take. I think he's
0: got up so far.
1: But uh, second behind him is very interesting because Tuttle brings – a little bit more versatility with the run game. He's also only been studying the playbook for you know, a couple months, so he's slowly coming on, so some of the pass is going to take some time. Warren's been in the system for a while now. I think Warren is ahead right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if Tuttle
0: passes him in the fall. That's how I see it. I think Tuttle will close that gap as he gets more reps. I, he looked confident back there. That's yeah. what you really want to see. Just like the footwork looked really good. The moment, I mean, it's the spring game and there was 600 people there. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge moment, but there were eyes on it. There was a lot of people watching at home and, and I thought he looked confident. He delivers a good ball, pretty accurate. Um, not the best day for any of the quarterbacks, like we mentioned, but uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, JJ McCarthy, number one, uh, we'll put that in pencil. Uh, <laughs> the a and, tattoo and,
1: across my forehead
0: yeah and then uh, there's still a competition there but yeah Alex orgy man it he, it's a shame that he's that far down the depth chart because he hasn't really come around as a passer or at least we didn't see much of it but an athlete a special special type of athlete that I would love to find a way to get involved in this offense somehow I mean I'm not gonna propose the move to wide receiver that's kind of a hack take yeah. but you know, there, it's something like you mentioned. I think that you're maybe on the right track there with finding a way to get some type of touches on the goal line. Maybe that's how you use them. Again, I'm just thinking about ways to
1: preserve like McCarthy, Corum, and Edwards and these like low down situations when it's all physicality. Like you could get that extra weight and drive in there. I think it'd just be a great spot for them to come in. as like the red zone unit and just pound extra offensive lineman, Kaleel Mullings, Alex Orgy. Let's go. That's a lot of beef to power in. Or you did have a couple nice throws connected with Samaj Morgan, uh, the freshman that flashed a little bit in this game. But, I mean, there's a lot to like back there, man. There's a lot to like in the quarterback room. You just hope one of these guys can start getting their footprint to move forward because life after McCarthy could come as soon as next year.
0: Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you see, is it possible, is there a world where McCarthy goes pro this year and then we need a bridge guy? Like, so could there theoretically be an open competition next year? Or G, Tuttle, Davis Warren and and uh and Davis actually competing for starting minutes there? I mean, I, I think that's very possible. I think Tuttle's gone after this season. I think he's out of eligibility, but double check me on that.
1: And then, uh, yeah, I think there is an open competition no matter what. Like, because Jaden Davis coming in as a freshman, that's a lot to put on somebody's shoulders. But so having a battle between those guys and possibly another transfer, I think is good for the team next season.
0: I think so too. Yeah, you're right. This will be Tuttle's final year. So yep, there's probably going to be another transfer in there. Harbaugh likes to have options at the quarterback position. I support him in that and any and all things he does really. <laughs> uh, so that's completely fine by me. But yeah, I think there will be an actual quarterback competition next year. So Alex Orgy, probably not this year, but keep an eye on him, man special kind of athlete. Um, anything else you want to touch on? I got a couple superlatives here.
1: Um I it was announced today that Sharon Moore, Jesse Mentor and Ben Herbert all got contract extensions and raises and the spring game shows you why. Like this is Michigan's First, like returning defensive coordinator since Don Brown, and only the second one ever because uh, DJ Durkin never came back, Mike McDonald never came back. So it's a very, very much an earned raise. Sherrod Moore can't say enough good things about. It. I think he's only 38 years old, which is just ridiculous at his ascension right now. And there's a hefty buyout if he leaves to be a coordinator somewhere else. No, none if he becomes a head coach, which he probably, which he does deserve. And yeah, man, Ben Herbert can't say enough good things. The X Factor. And this team has as much depth as I could ever remember. I think that was the biggest takeaway across everything. And I think what I love the most about the spring game is it really highlighted the two key strengths of this team were the offensive line and the defensive line
0: great places to build from front and center. And yeah, good for Ward Manuel to shake off the slumber of his hibernation, put down his <laughs> porridge and actually go get some stuff done. Really pleased about like, yeah, his, was, his weekend.
1: Was he just waiting for quarter one to end so he could be like, Brandon Norado, I'm going to sign you. Football coaches, here's some money. Like, was he just trying to like save
0: face with the Regents? What was going on there? For the end of fiscal Q1, that's what this was all based on. <laughs> Thank you, Ward. <laughs> put down the porridge. <laughs> Oh man, got a couple hypotheticals here for you. So we're going to do, we got one, keep an eye out, and not this year, youngster. So that could be self-explanatory, but I'll explain it anyway. We got one, a guy that you saw that you're for sure is going to be a player, keep an eye out, a guy that you're pretty sure is going to be a hit for us, but need to see a little bit more, and then probably not this year, youngster, uh, just, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be a year or two before you contribute, or maybe not ever.
1: (laughs) Okay, so for the first one, we got one, Zeke Berry. Yeah, this is pretty got easy. He had, he had the interception. He was flying around on the defensive side of the ball. Seems more confident this season than he did last year like in limited reps. Just looked like very comfortable back there and is explosive. Like We knew coming in he was a ball hawk. You might see him as a returner because he's very good in the open field, but we, we got one with Zeke Berry.
0: Yep, uh, we got one. Kenneth Grant. That one's easy. We already talked about him. That dude is actually two bears inside the skin of a man. So, yep, we got one. Kenneth Grant. <laughs> okay. For the uh, are, we, are we only doing one player? No, no, no. Keep as many as you got in there. Yeah, as many as you want. Many, many as I got in the till. Okay, let's just
1: unload some of these takes here. Um, Ernest Hausman. We got one. Like what he knows with the mind games already as a true sophomore linebacker is. Blowing it blew me away. Like he missed some plays in this game. That's just going to take time. Like the execution will come. He has the mental aspect down, which normally takes players longer to adapt to. We got one with Ernest Hausman.
0: I completely agree. He's on my list as well. We got one. Derek Moore. I mean, this one is really exciting. And I know it was a spring game. I know like we haven't seen it in game, like against an actual real opponent, but I've seen enough, man, just the the speed, the size, the athleticism, the recruiting profile. He's going to be a dude for us, whether it's this year, which I'm starting to think it will be this year or next year when I'm almost guaranteeing that dude's hitting.
1: It's, yeah, I mean, the physicality he played with. We knew when he got on the field as a freshman, it meant something because it takes a lot to do that, especially in that uh, edge-rushing room. Looked incredible in this game. Just how, oh my God, the physicality he plays with, mix of pass-rushing moves, I think he's only going to get better. Um, that's, all, that's all I have
0: guaranteed. I think AJ Barner, we got one. I think he's more of like a Zach Gentry, though. But when you have Colston Loveland across from him, aside from him, and he can just be a receiving tight end, I think he's going to be awesome. I think so, too. And Again, the rest of the game
1: is going to take time. I, I really want him to stay healthy. That's one of the biggest question marks with him. But what he flashed, though, as a pass catcher and this blocking on the offensive line, like on the line of scrimmage, really impressed me early on. He's only been in the playbook for a few months, you know?
0: Yeah. Give him some time. And I think he's going to be a player. All right. Keep an eye out. I'll start with that one. Benjamin Hall. We talked about him already. Very impressive for a freshman, but what I really like is the stuff that I'm hearing off the field, that he's just a tape grinder. Absolutely love that guys like this are going to endear themselves to Harbaugh and that whole coaching staff. He'll get opportunities this year. And like we said, there's a real competition for carries uh, behind Coram and Edwards. So keep an eye out for Benjamin Hall.
1: No, that's a great one, and all the stories you hear are very a la Rod Moore, like how he came up as a three-star and usurped a bunch of people on his way to the top and being the best safety in the country, so I love that for Benjamin Hall. I'm going to pair these two together on the defensive line. Josiah Stewart, and I'm going to say it, Keyshawn Bennett. I was blown away with Keyshawn Bennett in this game, man. Like He was just incredible. Uh, his motor, the energy he played with. And with Josiah Stewart, I was very critical of his size and whether he could adapt to Big Ten tackles. And granted, these weren't like all the starters, but he was abusing people. His speed, his power, his mix of him, his bend. I don't know if we've had an edge bend like this in a long, since since Ojabo. It's only two years ago, but it's freak kind of bend. That's what he looked like. So I think we have him with these two. Just need to see it in real
0: time. I love the Keyshawn Bennett one. I'm going to go back and and key in on him on another rewatch. With Josiah Stewart, I was watching, and just the body type, is there any way he can play standing up and play some type of hybrid linebacker? I mean, you don't want to change up your entire defense to incorporate this one guy, but like him as a linebacker just makes a ton of sense.
1: I think you'll see a mix, kind of like the Jalen Harrell, how he does on the outside. I think you'll see that, but honestly, maybe with his, like, Diminutive, I'm doing air quotes, stature. Maybe starting low helps him. Like offensive linemen can't get down that low. And then he puts his bend on him and it's even
0: harder to get your hands on him. So that might honestly play to his benefit. There was a couple plays where they tried to string it out on Josiah Stewart, and that's going to be very difficult with his speed to string him outside the tackles because I think he's going to be able to chase down most running blocks and cut off that that angle with his pursuit. So I'm a little higher on him. I agree that's the right place for him. Uh, Jaden McBurrows, this part, part of this is uh, just how rough it looked for a Marion Walker. McBurrows might be in line right now, and like we said, it was just one practice. Maybe every other practice, Marion Walker's that guy, and it was just that. But I think McBurrows has got a real chance, so keep an eye out.
1: McBurrows had that one play where he made the play in the backfield. I mean, he just blew right past Freddie Moore trying to block him and blew it up. And you love to see that intentionality—just like they know where the ball is going. They're not like like overplaying it, and it was just like a missile shot out of there. And that's what you're missing from Walker—like he just never looked confident playing back there. Never looked like he moved with like purpose. So hopefully, we see that in other practices and he can evolve. But yeah, I love that with McBurrows. I'm going to go with the guy that was torturing a Mario Walker paid O'Leary. He might be a player. Like they, they nicknamed him Cooper cup, which is I me mean, for the obvious reasons, but like he just, his route running, his pass catching, his playmaking chemistry with both quarterbacks. I was very impressed with him. I'd love to see him put it together.
0: The Banshee baby. I'd be completely fine with that, man. They, we heard that he was like a jump ball God in the off season. Now, I, I get the whole, like when a walk on is your third best receiver and you've got all those high recruits that maybe you could get a little bit down on that, but if he's the best player, he's the best player. Like uh, I don't really care what his recruiting rank was and what his perceived ceiling is put the best guys out there. And if he can help JJ, I'm all for it, man, help the team. So uh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Like that's a real competition too. Like there's going to be a lot of competition for uh pass catchers still continuing uh, a mere herring. I mean, we, we talked about him. I wanted to put him in. We got one. You could maybe even slot him up. I'm feeling pretty confident about that. But a lot of that is the system we've got in place, the coaches that we've got there. I mean, with that kind of talent, what he could be, man, like, who look out. This could be Mike on two point.